Welcome to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. This is the podcast for dairy owners, managers, and their trusted advisors who are looking to take themselves and their businesses to their next level of performance, resilience, and success in the dairy farming business. I'm your host, Peggy Coffeen, and it's my mission to bring you the stories and thought leaders to help take you to your next up level. Today, we are talking all about biogas from start to startup and hearing the story of a bioenergy company and the steps in the process from turning manure into renewable natural gas. And joining us today to tell us the story all the way from Houston is CEO of LF Bioenergy, Brent Lowenthal. Welcome, Brent. Hey, Peggy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, so glad you could join us on the Up Level Dairy Podcast, Brent. You bring decades of energy development, operations, and engineering experience and innovation to help dairy farms realize their climate and financial goals. And prior to founding LF, you served as a senior vice president at Worley, managing a $1 billion refinery and gas plant process and operations and safety improvement projects across multiple customers. And Aleph Bioenergy is known as a farmer's first RNG developer and operator. And so, Grant, we are excited to get this opportunity to speak one-on-one with you from your perspective that you are bringing from the gas and oil refinery world into the dairy space. And so, you are a chemical engineer by training. You spent your whole career in the gas and oil refinery sectors what brought you over to the dairy side? Well, th- thanks for asking the question, Peggy. It's an interesting story. Uh, while at my time in uh, at Worley, I got the opportunity to help out with uh, the energy transition strategy. And um, as part of that, um, there was a small consulting group that we were doing business with that introduced me to a couple of RNG developers in the dairy to RNG space. And uh, after trying to assist them with a variety of, uh, of challenges that they had from raising capital to actually understanding what best practices were in, in, in terms of doing engineering and design development of these projects, uh, I felt that there was, uh, I felt there was a space there for uh, a different type of company, one that was farmers first but we took the best practices and discipline of development of proper RNG uh, project development into the space. Yeah. So what I'm understanding, Brent, is that as you started dabbling in some of these early RNG projects that brought you into the dairy sector, you were quick to notice that not all of the developers were doing dairies a favor in the way that they were conducting some of these projects. And we're talking like these aren't small investment, short term projects. These are major commitments and business decisions on the part of these farms. And so ultimately that led you to found LF Bioenergy as a solution, right? That's correct. So it was interesting because we noticed that there's, there's good developers in this space. Uh, but by and far, what we noticed is there was a bunch of people that were financially driven and were trying to back into proper engineering discipline and project development discipline. And there was a lot of uh, smaller developers out there that didn't have the capital behind them that were trying to get into the space, but uh, just didn't just didn't have the means to to follow through and, and execute a project. So when we came together, Brian Fliss and I came together with Sin French and the rest of our team, Lee Laviolette, et cetera, and we founded LF Bioenergy. The thought process is 
we want to be a bit different than everybody else. We wanted to have a farmer's first um, approach, which means designing and con- and configuring and developing these projects so they fit side by side with the dairy farm, so that it, there be a, an energy practice alongside of a dairy farm, but we're not uh, obtrusive to dairy farms' operations, but also have the proper capital to actually execute on the engineering uh the, the construction and the and the ongoing you know multi-year commitment to operation of the, of, of the asset over over the life of the asset yeah so you were really looking at how can we bring a solution that has the financial backing and the operational efficiencies but ultimately can be a win for that dairy and its operations so that they can continue business as usual. Because 24-7, 365, as our dairy farmers know, that's how their business operates. And so I'm curious. I mean, you mentioned that you saw some different projects that were going on in this space. And and you saw some things that didn't quite sit well with you. Uh, you saw good, good examples and maybe not so good ones. What were some of the things that jump out in your memory, some of the flaws in the system that really prompted you to say, you know, there's a better way to help dairy farmers do this? So, so the number, the, the cardinal rule of of any any asset, the large asset development, whether you're in the RNG space or whether you're building a refinery, chemical plant, or a power plant somewhere in the world, is you don't start moving dirt until you have all of the fan, financing structure in place to see the project all the way through from beginning to end. And we've seen that in a number of places where where projects. Uh, the developer gets anxious. They start uh, they start moving dirt. They don't have the complete financing in order, and now you have a half built project. The challenge with that is that becomes very unattractive for somebody else. To think of yourself. Think of it this way: if you were looking at buying a home, and you saw a home builder and they had a partially built home, it might be a bargain, but you don't know what's been done right, what hasn't been done right. You're not going to step in and and finish buying that. And that's how the financiers look at partially developed projects. So there was that opportunity. And then there's also the opportunity of bringing what I consider is best practice. So we we don't uh, develop and flip the project and sell it to somebody else to operate. There are developers out there that do that. And there's you know nothing really wrong with that model, except when you're building a house that you're going to live in, you tend to build it better. <laughs> so... We we gonna we're gonna live, own, and and basically operate our house for as many years as we can. And so the idea is twofold. There is you're gonna build it so that you can operate it safely and reliably for a long, long time. But you're also gonna maintain the house that you're gonna live in, and you're gonna maintain it and uh, with with in mind that you want to have a, a a reliable and a safe place uh, to operate. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Brent, as you explain what the ultimate goal was of being able to put together a winning project that was, that has the the long-term viability for this dairy and for your business, there are a lot of moving pieces and parts to make that all come together. Uh, but what's exciting for, our, for you and your team is you actually just were a- able to get your first dairy project up and running in New York, correct? That's correct. So from from startup of the business in uh, early 21, we actually have, we are producing gas on our first project in New York already. We we went into construction in, in uh, 2022 
uh, and we're building three others, but we were producing gas on our first project already, and we're we're thrilled about that. Um, ah, yeah, it's up on a line, and and it's really important project for us because the the dairy farmer couldn't be a better partner. That's also this is a this is a a symbiotic relationship that we have. Uh, we're leasing land. We want to be uh, good stewards of the land that we're leasing from the dairy farmer and and have that approach with it. So they've been integral to the decisions that we're making about coexisting on their land and coexisting next to their dairy farm. And we're just so excited. We're producing gas and uh, we're putting it at the pipeline. Excellent. Yeah. And so that is a great and exciting place to be for you guys, for the dairy. But I want to take a couple steps back and dissect what all had to happen, what the steps in your process are of really thoroughly helping the dairy make the decision to go this direction and to and to go to the dance with you guys, the, the long dance <laughs> for the next 20 some years. Uh, so, so let's just take a little bit of a step back into some of the earliest conversations that you would have had with this particular dairy and what that looked like. What was, what was the first step that you and your team took to really decide, is this the right partnership on both ends. Right. That's a, that's a great question. And it, and it varies dairy by dairy. So I want to be, be cognizant of stating that the, the very first thing that we do is when we meet with a dairy, yes, we, there, there's, there's a minimum size that we need and everybody asks those questions, you know, how big do I need to be, et cetera. And so you kind of, after looking at as many projects as we do, we kind of know what that looks like. But the most important question is, what, what are you trying to do with your dairy? Where are you going with your business? These are generational family businesses. And so while um, part of our team comes from the energy space and background, the reason LF is who it is and the reason we're Farmers First is half the company comes from dairy and ag. So they helped us teach us engineers what it means to run and operate a family generational business. So, Brent, you just talked about Julie and Sin being integral members of the LF team because of the experience that they have on the dairy side. But there are more members of your team that you have strategically brought in for the other benefits that they can offer an outside view from their other experiences that are a great asset to the dairy farmers that you're working with. Tell us a little bit about some of those other team members and their area of expertise and how that relates back to the benefit of the dairies. Uh, thanks, uh, Peggy. Yeah, it's, it's when you think about our mission of of we're developing and building these projects, but we're going to own and operate them for twenty years. Going back to how I mentioned how you know you build a house that you live in, you tend to build it better, um, et cetera. So uh, the we we made some very strategic hires. And we have to think about it. You know, you're a startup, so you have to think about strategic hires. They have to be multidimensional. They have to add depth to the bench in many areas. So uh, one of our first hires was uh, John Curry, who we brought on on the team, who's got experience of having operated multiple, multiple, multiple sites, uh, varied RNG projects. And what that allowed us to do, we brought him on first as we're starting to design, do the detailed design and the construction of the first project. So we get that real world experience into the design. Where I said, we want to build something that's reliable, maintainable, and safe to operate. Those are the cornerstones of bringing that practical 
real live world field experience into the design with our vendors to make sure we're picking the right pieces of equipment, the right use, et cetera, to get to that reliability. Uh, the next the next couple of people we brought on board, we, we needed a, uh, a, a group of individuals that were project managers. Once we get into construction in the projects, we need safe construction practices to happen, keep cost to, cost to complete and schedule to complete on on task. So we got experienced um, uh, experienced oil and gas project managers that had some RNG experience in their in their background. And so William Lanius and his team, we we were fortunate enough to get him on board, and he's really brought a lot of rigor into our project management procedures. Uh, so that we can construct these projects on time, on schedule, on budget, and safely. More than anything else, do it safely. So uh, William is now contributing a tremendous amount to the documentation, the workflow, how we're doing that, tracking the detailed design. If there's design changes, tracking those and making sure we're logging all of that information into our systems. That's what a mature uh, company does in the downstream oil and gas sector. Um, and then lastly, uh, a mention to Hallie Chester as her director of engineering. She actually comes from the pipeline utility space. So not only has she done detailed engineering design on RNG plants, she understands uh, the utility language, which is a special lingo. So when every time we go talk to the utility about having an interconnect, some way to get our gas into the pipeline system, uh, Hallie can help us have those conversations and have them be very, very effective. So it kind of takes care of all of the aspects, cradle of the grave, on not only understanding how uh, a farm, a, a dairy farmer is going to operate their dairy farm long term, taking the time to understand their vision, but then once we've established that, understanding how we're going to build, own, and operate these assets for many years to come in a reliable, safe way. Yeah, and you've put together a team of experts that have different capacities, different experiences that they bring to the table in all of these realms. And that allows the dairy farmers you're working with to not have to try to be experts in all of this. They can run their dairies, they can run their businesses and rely on the expertise to be able to figure out the engineering side, the utility side, and all of these other details that make a project successful. And, and last, I'll, I'll throw a mention to Eric Butler, our CFO, and his his team in the back office. We've assembled a fantastic team there. It's no, it's it's not for the faint of heart doing a startup. So Eric can optimize our financial structure with our financial partners. He's taking care of all of that structure of the business, and his team is uh, is got to got to work through the cadre of of regulations and processes in order to monetize the credits that we generate. And that's not for the faint of heart either. So getting all of that structure built up has been a, a phenomenal lift by Eric and his team and just allows the technical team to focus on that and the origination team, Sin and Julie, to focus on uh, how, how we interface with our farmer partners to figure out what success is for them as we develop these RNG projects. And thank you, Brent, for telling us more about the depth of that team and how you have stacked it with the people that know what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's my pleasure, actually. I'm honored to be a small part of, of their success. It is a great team. It, it, 
it was basically the concept that Brian Fliss, the co-founder, and I had of putting together uh, a team to address not only what the dairy farmers and understanding exactly what what they needed and how their business was going to evolve, but also a technical team that allow us to differentiate ourselves in the marketplace and bring that real value, but build something that was we're going to build, own, and operate for a long time reliably, safely. Uh, and and so that's what we've designed into the LF Bioenergy. Yeah, and so you look at Julie and Sin, and they, like you said, Brent, they bring in this really unique perspective of what it's like to be on the production side, to have this experience on the regulatory side. But at the end of the day, they bring also that almost, you know, kind of a, a coaching element or um, an element of a, a viewpoint that allows dairy producers to have these bigger conversations. Because as you had just articulated, this is about what does this dairy family, what does this dairy business really want for their future? And when we were just talking about those first steps, that's one of them is really bringing that out and articulating it, right? It, it absolutely is. We, and those, those conversations are not uh, just, they don't, don't just happen in the first meeting. Uh, and without Sin and Julie there to basically let them know that they, they've done that, they've done that walk. They've, you know, they've walked that talk before in their lives and understand the nuances of what it means to have this generational family business that's growing and evolving. Um, it really brings, a, it, it really lends itself to a, a deeper understanding of how we develop a project next to their business. Yeah. Yeah. And so thank you for sharing how their perspectives are so valuable in these conversations. What else goes into some of those first steps when you sat down with this dairy that is your your um, your first project that's up and running in New York? What were some of the other pieces of those conversations that led both of you to the point to say, hey, we want to we want to do this long term? The, the project in New York felt that they needed to get into the RNG space. And they, they had talked to a number of developers before us. Um, they have some, some technical needs that, uh, you know, particular type of, they were on sand bedded. Um, they wanted to stay with sand. That's usually a, a challenge for RNG projects. And uh, so we worked really hard on exploring all sorts of options with, with them and finding out what we could do to solution a project that would still have high availability, high reliability, even though they, there was a lot of sand in the manure coming, coming across. And so it took us an extra three or four months to find the right solution uh, for that dairy farm. But they were at, at every step along the way. So th that, was, that was the key hurdle. The first step was just deciding that an RNG project was appropriate and could have a chance of success. Do they have enough cows there? Was there enough manure to support the project? What did they need to do with the byproduct of, the, of, of, of an RNG project? What do they want to do to process it? Do they have nutrient management constraints? Do they have water constraints at their site? All of those technical details were part of the journey that we went through once once we got into a, a relationship to develop a project with them. 
Yeah. So there were a lot of things that, that you guys went through, as you said, all of these details, but always taking it back to how does this impact the management and the goals of the farm beyond the R&G side, but really from the farm operation standpoint. And I want to just go back for a moment to the piece that you just had brought up, Brent, about how it was important to this dairy to be able to continue on with their sand bedding. And I mean, if I, if I went for a walk around my neighborhood here in Northeast Wisconsin, a lot of my neighbors up here love sand bedding and really, really don't want to make a switch because it works. They've got their somatic cell counts where they want to be. They know how to handle the beast of sand. They've mastered that. And they're not really getting excited about changing if they don't have to. So on that note, what were you able to come up with for some solutions and ways to help this dairy be able to have the best of both worlds, maintain their sand bedding and the benefits for the cows, and also be able to incorporate that into the project? Yeah, so th- that's a great question. We we did uh, three basic things. One is they already had some sand lanes, but we basically optimized how the sand lanes worked to make sure that they were they were getting the most amount of sand out of them as possible. And there, a lot, most of the dairy farmers that, that use sand, have sand bedding, have sand lanes. Um, the second thing we did is we applied some some technology that we knew about from from upstream oil and gas, where that was used, typically done to to filter out um, things like sand out of the mud that's going back down hole, and it was proven technology. and And I'd like to say that we were the first to apply it in dairy RNG, but that's not the case. Everything that we everything that we apply in our projects is we vet it out to make sure that it's been uh, shown to have reliable use. So we found we found the vendor that uh, showed us reference sites, uh, showed us that it was a reliable solution, and that technology allows us to filter out a little bit more of the sand, thicken the manure before it goes in the digester. And the third the third thing that we identified was a technology that allows us to clean the digester out without having to take it apart. That allows us, so we oversize the digester slightly to make sure that the runtime between cleanouts would be uh, would be lengthened. And then uh, this digester has basically a, a large weir box that allows us to, you know, when we empty it out and air it out, we can lower a skid steer in it, scoop out the sand, get rid of the sand, get it back up online in record time in, in a matter of a week or so or a couple of weeks. So the idea is building a project so that you have that 98, 99% reliability availability and you're producing RNG at all times and have very little downtime. So we, we designed the entire project to be able to take advantage of the, that particular set of technology for that particular dairy farm. Every, yeah. every site's unique. We, we don't go in with a... Uh, a palette of boilerplate solutions, we prefer to sit down and say, okay, what technology is the right fit? That's proven technology for this particular project. Yeah. And start off from there. And that's how we, that's how we go and start developing our projects. Yeah. So Brent, thank you for taking a moment to just really explain that application side of this particular project and making sand, uh, making sand work, continue to work for their manure management for their bedding, um, for their milk quality and cow comfort as well. And uh, so what you've just laid out are a lot of these initial steps that you took with um, the dairy project that you have up and running, but you are in a lot of conversations with dairies right now in different stages. And so 
so tell me for uh, tell me for a moment here, as you get through that initial evaluation process, what does your next step look like in really taking, you know, deciding uh, uh, dairy is a good match for LF and then taking that relationship to the next step? What is the next step? So as you mentioned, the first step is interest. And, and it's really the starting places of formation of trust. That's so important to us because we're going into a long-term relationship. Once there's interest and trust, we can very quickly evaluate uh, at a high level, make some assumptions on cost of interconnect, cost of getting power to the site, uh, if there's no power or not enough, uh, et cetera. And we can do a high level pro forma with a dairy farm to show here's what a partnership would look like to you in terms of how the project would be sited on their, on their land. Uh, how would we receive the manure, what they would get back if they have nutrient management constraints, et cetera. So we can do a high level pro forma very, very quickly and assess and say, okay, you have enough cows. There's a potential for a project here. If they agree with that and directionally we're in agreement, the next step in the process is a slightly more formal one. At that point in time, what we want to do is get into a brief period of exclusivity and the only reason he asked for that is because we're going to start spending hard dollars on proving that the assumptions that we're making in the pro forma are valid and and getting and looking for red flags, you know, anything that's a red flag from a permitting perspective, from uh, from from any of those conditions that that uh, we have to satisfy getting a, a carbon intensity score, making sure that 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 pans out, et cetera. So checking the, whether the unique site conditions, having an RNG project actually solves an environmental issue, an environmental greenhouse gas issue. Uh, that's what the CI score is about, et cetera. So when we go in and do start spending hard dollars to prove the assumptions are valid, that's, that's what we usually do under exclusivity. That the assumption that if everything proves itself out correctly, then we start talking about going into a long-term contract with a dairy farmer. Ah, gotcha. And so, so initial evaluation, talk through all of these details, decide you guys are a match for each other. Then you enter terms of exclusivity, and that's when your team really starts to invest in making sure that all of the all of the elements, all of the inner workings, all of the steps that are going to come from here that they're in a solid place and that you can really move forward. Uh, and so after that, once the dust settles and the, and everything looks good, what happens next? So all along during the exclusivity period, we're starting to socialize this with our board and letting them know, look, this project is coming along. We haven't found any red flags yet. And so they start getting uh, acclimated to the to this project being potentially coming to what we call a final investment decision. So there's no surprises. Everybody comes along and says, okay, if we find any red flags, we, and we found a number of them on a lot of our projects. And it's just a matter of, is this a, is this red flag at that end or do we solution around it? And we can get together and find a solution around it. It, it requires a bit more time. Sometimes you're dealing with authorities. You're trying to like work through a permitting scenario there that you got to work through, et cetera. And that takes a bit of time. But all along, we, we start selling, letting our board know we've got a project. It's X, Y, and Z. Here's the dairy farm. Uh, this is what the economics look like on the project. And assuming that um, 
We get everything back as a green light. We've worked all the details out with the dairy farmer. We'd like your permission to fund this project. They give us the final investment decision. And from then on, it's just about scheduling the construction. And then the journey really starts. Once you finish construction, you start operating the asset. Then, then uh, it's funny, then, then Lee LaViolette's eyes really get a sparkle because he loves to optimize. There's tons of things that you can do with these, op- with these projects. They, they take on a life on their own once they get built. There's further phases of development you can do with them. There's optimization you can do to maximize RNG production. There's things you can do with the dairy farm to help them out and their manure processing or other aspects that might be constraints as their farm evolves. You can look at incorporating those in future phases. So it becomes an interesting with a fleet of these, we have a lot of little strings to pull on to basically optimize the business together. Yeah. And so, Brent, what you really walked us through is the the subject here, and that is from start to startup, going through the process, finding that right partnership, vetting out so many different ends of the scenario, and then getting to that point where we are now uh, starting up, building, and then starting up, and uh, and that's an exciting place to be. But but really, like you said, the startup is only the beginning. And you know, there's one thing that I know farmers really really want to know about this and uh and that's at what point do they get to cash their first check <laughs> that's a great question so so once from the time we get to final so it takes about six months to develop one of these projects do it properly because you've got to uh once the farmer says okay i like the pro forma so this directionally is the right way talk about six months to develop a project because uh you know you got to go get permitting you got to get you got to get the lease done. You got to go through, you know, do a title search. You got to do all that kind of the, the, the all the details. You got to have to engineer to uh, probably a, a FEL three level engineering to basically tie it down to an FID tight FID package. In a way, if you think about it, we're our business is just like we're underwriters, just like right home loan. That's basically what we're doing is we're proving to the people that are giving us the the big money to spend on these $20, $30 million projects that we've done a tight package. Everything has been looked at in detail and it's ready to go. So from that point, nine to 18 months, depending on the size to build the project. And then it's at least, depending on where the land's, at least another good to six, six to nine months to monetize the credits that we produce once it gets operational. And that's not necessarily because of us, because it just takes time to get the CI score pathway approved by, you know, if this, if this RNG is going towards uh, replacing transportation fuel, one of the markets, for example, is California. That's the one that gets you the most revenue today. But there's a lot of new markets that are starting to come online that we're, that we're talking to that are very, very interesting. Uh, but right now, if you, uh, from a scheduled perspective, if you look at the California transportation fuel market, it probably takes you about nine months once you started up the project to get uh, money in the door. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, so that timeline to set a general expectation from, I mean, from start to finish, from you know, kind of this starting conversation to cashing that first check, it's, I mean, honestly, to do it right, it's gonna take. Probably what? Two years? Yeah, yeah. And that's okay because this is a 20-year commitment in many cases, correct? Correct. It's, it's, uh, 
you know, 20 years is, is ideal. We've done shorter commitments. We, we tailor our commitment to what the farmers can do. Ideally, we don't like to go much shorter than 15, but we have and on certain situations. It just depends a lot on the situation. We're building a fleet so we can, our business is to, we can mitigate the risk on our side of the business because we're building a fleet of these projects. We have four either in production or construction. We'll, we'll have another two or three in construction before the end of the year at, at final investment decision, maybe as many as five. And so uh, once you get to scale in the business, and that's how we mitigate our risk, we, we can take a little bit more flexibility in negotiating some of these contracts. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Brent, I think a lot of these elements of the business side of doing this aren't that much different than what dairy farmers are doing on their businesses, right? Like they're looking at how can we grow and scale? How can we um, how can we take advantage of economies of scale? How can we protect our um, our business, minimize our risks and maximize our upside potential in a way that also is conscientious of risk, but allows us to be able to grow and to be able to create a sustainable and profitable business for the future. It's, it's really the same thing, isn't it? It is. It's uh, the, the reason I like this about, I'm, the reason I feel so blessed about this is that it, to me, it, it does several things all at once. It, uh, we're, we're solving an environmental challenge. We're helping a, a group of people that I've grown to admire immensely. Uh, the, the dairy farmers in the ag space, uh, it's just, it's just a breath of fresh air. And, and I haven't met any of them, the ones that we're doing business with or we're not, I, I haven't met any, any one of them I wouldn't call a friend. Um, and uh, I get to build a, a great business together with a fantastic team. And when I look at my team on a, on a good day or a bad day, they make the business. So I, I, I love everything that I'm doing. The beautiful thing about it is we get to help dairy farmers stabilize their own revenue stream in a market where it's commodity-driven price with ups and downs. We can provide a little bit of resiliency to their business through having this energy business side by side with them. So I count myself fortunate in so many aspects for doing this. Ah, Brent, thank you for sharing that. I think that that definitely resonates with our listeners out there. And, and, you know, going back to the representation that you have on your team that has a lot of experience in the dairy side, you know, I do want to revisit something that I think they bring to the table that's really unique um, in this bigger picture. And, you know, when we talk about these long-term commitments of a project, what farmers don't want to sign up for is 20 years of headaches, 20 years of business interruption, 20 years of cow flow interruption, 20 years of, you know, of things that are not good for their business or themselves or cause additional stress. And so I'm curious, you know, could you share a little bit of what your team is doing that might be different from others out there to really ensure that the dairies you work with are not going to be impacted deeply on the actual dairy production and management side, that business can continue as usual, cow flow can continue as usual, and that their day-to-day can can just go on without being affected by bringing this into their business model. So really, Peggy, boils down to really having a lot of rigor on mapping expectations and listening to our dairy partners and finding out what not all of them know where their business is going to be in five years. So when you get in the meetings, learning from Sen and Julie, okay, 
you ask the questions, if just the engineers, when we got started, if we had just started asking our typical engineering questions, we said, okay, how much manure do you have? And, and that would have been that, you know, how do we used to receive it? Where does it go? But understanding the differences between asking that question and where do you really see your farm in five years? Or where do you see it in 10 years? How, um, how's that going to impact your business? What do you, do you see yourself with Holsteins? Are you going to go to a crossbreed or are you going to do something different with the manure flow? Do you, are you encroaching on, you have enough land so that you don't have any nutrient management constraints. If you do, does that prevent you from growing? Did you want to grow? Do your kids want to take over the dairy? It's just getting them to see, I understand it as a business owner, you, you're no, you get lost in the weeds of the day to day. And so having that conversation, structured dialogue with them to get them to look down the road a little bit and think about their business through their, through their children's eyes or their grandkids' eyes to see where do you think their business, the business is going to be for them and how does this energy, uh, this, this manure management facility that generates some energy side by side their dairy farm, um, how does that how does that fit in with that vision and really taking the time to understand that so that they have time to think about it and come back to us and say, I thought about it. And here's, here's where I think we want to be. And here's what, you know, I've talked to my co-op and I've talked to my banker. This is the dairy saying this, um, the dairy farmer saying this and, and coming back and giving them some time to think about what this relationship means and what it means for them and for the next generation. I think that's a really important um, aspect of what we do and that I would encourage other developers, don't don't just bypass that and get straight to final investment decision as soon as you can. Take the time to understand your dairy farmer partner and what they want out of the project. It's easy to say, yeah, I want the most amount of money that I, that I get out of it, but it's beyond that. To your point, we don't want to create headaches. We want to think about in, environmental and land stewardship and community stewardship. What are we doing in those aspects? Brent, any closing comments about the vision that you have as a founder of LF Bioenergy for serving dairy farmers in this bioenergy space? Look, uh, Peggy, at the end of the day, the, the mission and the vision that we have is we want to be the best partners we can in the space for our dairy farmers and basically contribute the best, uh, the most that we can in avoiding greenhouse gas emissions in the space. So we want to be good stewards of the environment. Uh, this is my chance to contribute, our chance to contribute, to do, get that done. Uh, our first project will hopefully will we'll get um, along with the rest of the fleet that we're building, get as many as 310 million miles a year of, of, uh, of gasoline, uh, gasoline use vehicles that have the equivalent off the road of that, that amount. Um, based on what we have in development today. And I'm, I'm hoping to do even more than that. So uh, thrilled about that. And if during that journey, we can provide stability and uh, uh, some resilience to our dairy farmers in that, in that, in that journey, that's, that's a, just a, a fantastic win-win for us. So that's, that's the vision and have fun while we're doing it and be, uh, be a business of high integrity and the best partners we can in the space. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Brent, for sharing that vision, for sharing more about how you're working with dairy producers through LFIO Energy and why you're doing it the way you're doing it so that you can be part of that long-term Farmers First solution. And so, Brent, we, we've had a lot of fun talking about the business side, but as I end every Uplevel Dairy podcast, it's five questions that are much more about you and your next level of performance, personally and professionally. So I have five questions for you to wrap this up. Question number one, what does success look like to you? What does success look like? Continue to basically work, um, build this team, build my personal life. I've got my first grandkids. So continue to basically optimize all of those efforts. Uh, Add more partners to LF's LF's, uh, brief, if you will, and and, uh, continue working with the best people that I've ever met in my life. Awesome. Sounds like you're on the right track. And uh, question number two, in three words, how do you want to show up each day? Um, With high integrity, being the best that I can be. Ah, that's good stuff. All right. And who are two or three thought leaders that you follow? And by thought leaders, it might be authors, it might be speakers, it might be people in your own family or just individuals that you look to for their wisdom or advice. Uh, I'd say one of the thought leaders that always inspired me was Jacques Cousteau. He got me into thinking sustainably, got me thinking about the environment, but also turned me into a diver. I love scuba diving. Got my into it uh and then quite honestly um just really have grown to have an admiration for the dairy farmers that we've been talking to and i think every one of them is a thought leader in their own right and so just so blessed to basically be working with them and see how they're great stewards of the land and how they build a business for their family and that's just inspiring and i think every one of them is a thought leader to me no oh, that i would i would second that brent and uh what words do you live by uh, be for each other. Does that does that quote get attributed anywhere? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, and last question for you, up level question number five. What is your next personal up level, the area of your life you are looking to take to the next level? Or should I say the deeper level, scuba diving? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, no, I think uh, grandchild number two is on its way. So just learning how to be a, a, a great granddad and building this business, we want to, those are the two main focuses on my life, the, the people in the business, both the partners and, and everybody that I work with, and then basically the family. Excellent. Well, Brent, thank you so much for joining us on the Up Level Dairy Podcast on behalf of LF Bioenergy, a farmer's first RNG developer and operator. Thank you very much, Peggy. Appreciate it. Appreciate everything you do as well. Thank you for listening to the Up Level Dairy Podcast. I'm your host, Peggy Coffeen. And if you like what you heard today, go ahead and head on over to upleveldairy.com to read the blog and join the Up Level Dairy email list so you can receive new podcasts, blogs, and special offers coming soon from Up Level Dairy straight in your inbox. To listen to more episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, and don't forget to rate and review. Connect with me, Peggy, at Peggy at UpLevelDairy.com, and follow Up Level Dairy on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.